Welcome, welcome, welcome. Come in the room, come in the room. It is Friday. It is the day that the Lord has made that we shall rejoice and be glad in it. As well as this is the day we come together here on the Purity After Promiscuity podcast where we are redefining a woman's worth. Amen. And also, we are just uplifting, encouraging, and building one another up in our faith, in our walk, hallelujah, in our journeys. Um, this is all things um, restoration, healing, wholeness, whatever whatever the you need. I pray that the Lord meets you here. This is not just about overcoming a lifestyle promiscuity, but it is about that. Amen. Um, it's not just about overcoming the burden of past trauma, but it is about that. But it's also about how do once we overcome, once we once we have been restored, once we have re redefined our worth, now how do we walk that out, right? Especially as women of God. So I just welcome you all here. And to all my um, brothers that come along and join us, you are welcome as well. Uh, we are no respect as a person here, just as well as our God is not. And so if the Lord sends you here, um, I pray that he meets you right here and just gives you what you need, that you hear a word, confirmation, affirmation, that you be strengthened and encouraged. Amen. And, and I pray that the Lord continues to bless you and keep you. And so I'm thankful for whoever the Lord sends. I pray a blessing on every listener, every person who joins the live, every person who hears the replay. I pray a blessing on your life. I pray that the Lord will continue to show himself strong and mighty, that you will, you will continue to stand firm in your faith, that you will not waver. Amen. Because you will reap a harvest in due season. And so we are going to get started here in a few moments. Um, yes, I'm listening to No Bondage by Jubilee Worship. Because we really need to understand that when we become Christians, when we become believers and children of God, that we are now been made free. Amen. That Christ came to set the captives free and those he set free are free indeed. So there is no bondage. And if you have been, you know, put in a yoke of bondage, the Lord is going to set you free if you receive it. Amen. Sometimes we don't get our freedom because we don't receive it. We don't understand that this is a this is a right. This is your inheritance as a saint. As a son and daughter of God, your right is freedom. Your right is to be liberated. Amen. The Lord set the people uh, of the children of Israel free from the slavery and the captivity of Egypt because that is his heart for us. His heart for us is to be made free. This is why Christ came in, in the form of a man. And that's why he ended up dying and being crucified and rose on the third day. Because when he rose up, we rose up. Amen. So death has no sting. The grave can't hold him down. The grave can't hold us down. We are free and free indeed. And so my prayer is that um, maybe in your personal time, you can listen to this song, There Is No Bondage, and get it in your spirit, right? Because the chains are broken. The shackles have broken off. The prison walls have come down. And if they have not in your life, please believe that they can and will. If you really cry out to the Lord, if you invite him in, if you humble yourself before him, if you do whatever the Holy Spirit leads you to do, if you receive it by faith, it's not always something we see in the moment. You have to, sometimes you need to receive it by faith first. You have to believe it in your mind because it's always going to start in your mind. How do you perceive your circumstances? Do you truly believe the scriptures, the word of God, when it says that you have been made free and those that the son said free are free indeed, that he's preaching liberation to the captives, amen? You know, that the bondage and the shackles have broken. The bronze, the bronze are, the, 
iron bars and the bronze gates have come down you know that the that the walls have come down that you have been released from the death of sin hell and the grave right that you've been made free and if you don't believe that then you need to go back unto the lord and ask him to help you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind because it's always going to start in our mind do we believe that we are free Sometimes if you just shift your mindset about it, you will begin to start seeing yourself free. And it's not because you are free in the in, in the reality of your circumstances. It's because that you understand freedom ain't a feeling. Amen. It is, it is a state of being, right? You are free no matter where you are. You're free no matter what your circumstance is. You are free. If you are in Christ Jesus, you are free and free indeed. I don't care where you are. I don't care if you're physically in, in a... Uh, in a prison cell i don't care if you are you know being held against your will you still are free in christ jesus and you can call on your god you can call on the name of your the lord thy god you can call on jehovah Shavuot because he's the lord of hosts and you can pull on him for your right to be free that is your right your inheritance is freedom to break the chain the yoke of bondage the band of wickedness whatever it is that's preventing you from walking and in the, in the manifestation of freedom it has to bow down it has to bow down look i don't even know where that came from because today's episode is called are you building god's house but um i just feel strongly and i've been in prayer even before i did the podcast truly about freedom and healing because i just believe that god has been really speaking to me about the condition of his children amen and so we're going to get started so i want to welcome everyone to the purity after promiscuity podcast where we are redefining a woman's worth i am your host janelle renee welcome 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 to all my listeners new listeners welcome to um to the room welcome to the podcast if you're listening to the replay welcome 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 um i thank you for your support i thank you for um just being uh just being it a part of what God is doing through this podcast. Amen. And I pray you get something that the Lord begins to minister to you, that you um, be encouraged, that you be edified, right? I pray that the Lord continues to move in your life in great and mighty ways. That in, And if he uses me as a vessel to minister to you in some way, I pray that he adds a blessing to it. Amen. And those of you guys who've been rocking with me from day one or been rocking with me from, you know, the first season, second season, third season, or if this is just your first time, your third time, it doesn't matter. I appreciate you. You are so valuable. You guys make it so easy to get up here every week to get um to to want to come and meet with you all. And I love it when I have people join the room live and they can comment. We can interact. Um, and truly, you know, not just feel like I'm just talking to, you know, into the airwaves, right? But really engaging with the people of God. That is what I love to do the most. And so I totally appreciate everyone who is supporting, who's listening, downloading, sharing, liking. Please, please, please know that it is not taken for granted. I appreciate each and every one of you. Um, you guys mean so much to me and I love you with the love of the Lord. Amen. And so, yes, we're going to get started. Um, and today's podcast is called Are You Building? Um, today's episode, excuse me, is called Are You Building God's House? Now, initially, when I um, felt that this, the Lord gave me this particular uh, title for today's episode, I 
thought I was going to begin to come out of Haggai where the Lord really had to stir up his spirit and back in Zerubbabel and Jeshua, the high priest, because they had been given a task to uh, rebuild the Lord's house, to rebuild the temple. And they were, you know, um, released from exile and they were, you know, to do that. And they begun to build and then they experienced that opposition, right? They experienced, you know, um, having the um, governors of the other areas and regions come against them to say, hey, what are you doing? Why are you rebuilding this temple? you're now you're coming against the king you're betraying the king and they're like no way we have the permission of the king we have the favor of the king to do this and then so they go behind uh, and, and write a letter to the king and this is in Ezra I think you can it starts around Ezra 4 maybe and you can read that in your own time I'm just paraphrasing a little bit and um, the governors then go and they write a letter to the king to say hey these people of Israel are over here building their God's um, temple and these people in past times to your great to your father or grandfather they wasn't paying um, taxes they was they was not really um, uh, honoring the our, our ways and our laws because they was um, really only obeying the law of their God so truly they are not gonna respect you they're not gonna follow you you know they're gonna you know turn on you so to speak so they just really was trying to impede on with what the people of God was um, sent to do. And see, that's what happens in, to us all, honestly. When the Lord gives us an instruction or we have been given an assignment, we have to understand that there is going to be opposition. Even though you know that the Lord sent you to do it, to build it, to create it, to grow it, to whatever, even though you know that the Lord's hand is on your life, that he is with you, you've seen the way he's already begun to open doors and make ways and giving you favor with people. Yet and still, you have to be aware that opposition is going to arise because that's life. And because we know we have an adversary who's constantly coming up against the people of God, going before the Lord, accusing us day and night, right? But we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of thy testimony, Revelations 12 and 11. And so we want to make sure that we have a sober mind, right? The Bible tells us to be sober and vigilant, to understand that even when God called you to build his house, to build something for him. And no, maybe you're not called to be a minister or a pastor or an evangelist or a teacher, or a prophet, or maybe you're not called to, you know, the to, to the to work in the ministry or in the in the church, right? But maybe he sent you into the marketplace and he told you to build a business. Maybe he sent you as and you have some a grace and, and a gift, you know, to add value to a company and, and you are supposed to go into the company and bring the kingdom of heaven, right? Maybe, you know, he called you to be a missionary and to go and, and spread the love of Jesus and the gospel all, all across the world. You know, maybe he called you to work with children. You have a grace for children. You have a grace for teaching. You have a grace for healing or helps or whatever your grace is. It's all necessary because we, we all have a particular grace for our assignments as we come together to build up the kingdom of heaven and the earth, right? Because we're one body with many members. And just like our body has many members, right? We have fingers, toes, we have feet, hands, you know, we have ears, eyes, nose, mouth, you know, we have arms, legs, you know, we have all these different members, right? And parts of our body and they all don't have the same function. But just because they don't have the same fun function does not mean one is better than the other or one is not necessary because the body needs them all to function. It's the same way with us as believers. Uh, the body of Christ needs us all in a, in our assignment to function properly together. Even if what it what we're doing in the natural looks like total polar opposites, like maybe you know you call the 
you know, go into government and you're called to politics and somebody else is called to, to be a missionary. Um, just because it's something that's totally different doesn't mean you're still not being effective in building up the body of Christ. And so when you've given been given an assignment, God has given you the grace. He's given you his favor. He's qualified you. He's justified you, right? He's going to, you already have everything you need because the Bible tells us that we've been given every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, right? And so you, you, you go forth and you start doing Doing the very thing God tell you to do, but then you experience opposition. All of a sudden, you got people coming against you. All of a sudden, you got people trying to impede or stop or hinder or derail what you start in the build. All of a sudden, you know, things in your family start um, falling apart. All of a sudden, your children start going acting crazy. All of a sudden, the people in your job start coming against you. All of a sudden, you know, you're, you're being persecuted, talked about, being lied on. You know, all of a sudden, the people in church are coming against you and, 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 and all of these things starts happening right and it's because you are doing what God told you to do and when you experience opposition that is not a sign or that is not the time to stop building but like the two like the like like the um the exiles that had been given the task to go and to rebuild the temple they stopped building because of the opposition, they stopped building because then the king sent word to them to stop building. And so it seemed like the weapon that was formed through these governors that came against them, it seemed like it prospered. But we know, because most of us quote this scripture, we know it like the back of our hand. We say it sometimes without even thought. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I think we don't have a clear understanding of what that means because I think we assume that the weapon not prospering means that when it's formed, we're not going to see it or experience it. And that's not what that scripture says. It says it won't prosper against you, meaning whatever the the assignment of the weapon is to take you out, to hinder, to prevent, to, to stop you, that's not going to prosper. It's not going to stop you, but it doesn't mean that you won't feel it. So what do I mean by that? That's like if God called you to a certain place and you get to that place, right? Or let's say it is the church, right? Let's say the Lord called you and led you to a particular ministry and he, you know, he led you there. You know, he ordered your steps. I mean, it, it was just very, um, just much God orchestrating it. You know, you, you got there and there's just a grace on your life. Your gifts are making room for you. So doors are opening, you know, you're being, you know, elevated, you're being promoted, you know, opportunities are opening up for you. People are recognizing your gifts, you know, and so you start moving into what God called you to do but then all of a sudden people start trying to per start coming against you people start you know trying to attack your character your reputation people begin to make things up about you and stuff like that and so it's like that's a weapon being formed now then you hear about it you find out about it and now your feelings are hurt and even that can create offense. So now the weapon formed and now you actually feel the weapon. You're experiencing it like you're experiencing the, re the result of what the weapon was created to do. So now your feelings are hurt. Now you're feeling away. Now you got some church hurt. Now you got some event, um, excuse me, some offense. And what a lot of people do in these particular type of situations, they retreat and they leave the church. And they go and they go into that cave and they stay there. And then they begin to say things like, this is why I don't like them church folks. And that's why I'm not going back to the church. And, you know, and, and then they, they begin to isolate themselves. And so they stop building. 
They stop being in position. They stop obeying the word of God when God said, see, because here's the thing. When God tell you to do something, it's not with a, a, a contingency that, that says, okay, go and do this thing or go build this or go here and serve here. Go start this ministry here. And once opposition happens, stop. Once opposition happens, retreat. No, that's not how God works. He is saying, my grace is sufficient for you. So yes, you the weapon will form and you may feel it. Yes, they felt that weapon in that moment. And so it, it caused them to stop building. And they got so comfortable in their complacency and their stagnation. And then they began to be distracted by their own ambitions and desires. They started building their own beautiful homes. They started, you know, um, getting their personal lives together, you know, making sure that their personal lives was successful and they was, you know, being in abundance and, you know, flourishing. But they allow the, the assignment to lie in ruins. And that's where um, Haggai begins um, when the Lord calls him to go and to stir up the spirit in the people. And God is like, hey, here in um, Haggai 1, it says um, in verse two, the Lord of hosts says this, these people say the time has not come for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. So the Lord is saying like, because you experienced that opposition and because you experienced that church hurt and because you experienced, you know, that persecution. Now, now you feel like it is not time for you to complete the assignment. Right. It is not time for you to continue to build what God told you to build, to do what God told you to do, because you got you allow intimidation to paralyze you and to the point where you stop building altogether. And then in verse three, it says the word of the Lord came through Haggai, the prophet. Is it a time for you yourselves to live in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? And so the Lord is like, listen, you making sure your house is built. You're making sure your career is built. You're making sure your family is built. You're making sure your platform is built, right? You're making sure that your personal ambitions and desires are being built. But the assignment that I gave you is lying in ruins, my house. Because the minute we stop building or the minute we stop fulfilling our assignment, we stop building God's house. And it doesn't matter what it is he told you to do. If you are a singer and he told you to write music and because somebody, you know, you didn't get a deal or, you know, somebody didn't see the value in your music or whatever happened. And all of a sudden you stop writing. All of a sudden you stop singing. You think that's not a big deal. But see, God gave you that gift to bring him glory and to build up his house, to build the kingdom on earth as is in heaven. So the moment you stop doing the very thing God created you to do, you stop building his house. And then we tend to busy ourselves because just because we stop doing what God called us to do don't mean that it stopped calling us. I'll say that again. Just because you stop doing what God called you to do does not mean it stops calling you. Because when you have a anointing on your life and you are have a, when you have a calling on your life and you've been chosen by God to fulfill a particular assignment, as we all have been, that thing begins to call you. It's like when the scripture tells us the deep calls unto the deep. That thing be it, it calls you. You have visions. You have dreams. You know, it's like sometimes you just it's like you just be taken off into a realm and you see yourself 
yourself doing it, right? The, it, 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 that thing begins to beckon in you. And so just because you put it away or you're trying to ignore it or you're burying it doesn't mean it stopped calling you. So a lot of times we call ourselves bu busy in ourselves with all of these other things because we're trying to we're, we're trying to muzzle the voice of the call. My God, trying to muzzle the voice of the call because I don't know anybody who it be totally transparent and honest, even if they are a runner like Jonah, even if they're running from the assignment and they know they're running, right? That can say in all honesty that the call is not calling them, that they still don't have the, the desire, that they still don't have the vision, that they still don't, you know, have like, like that, that, that innermost longing to do it. We just try to quench it. We try to bury it because we've gotten afraid, because we've gotten intimidated. And so God is like, are you building his house? And what we also got to understand is the outer assignment is, is one part of it, but we are God's house, right? The Bible tells us that we are God's temple. We're the temple where the Holy Spirit dwells, right? God doesn't dwell in, in buildings made by human hands. He has now chose to dwell in us. So when you are building God's house, are you building his house physically by doing what he called you to do? But are you building his house by making sure that you are staying in the word, making sure you have a prayer life, making sure you have a devotional life, making sure you're healthy, you're eating right, you're drinking water, you're exercising, you know, making sure that your physical body, which is also a symbolism of a house or God's house is being built up because a lot of times the reason why we cannot fulfill the assignment is because we too weak in our physical body or we too weak in our prayer life or we're too weak in our fasting life or we're too weak in our our, our time in the word we don't even know what the words say because the only time we get a word is when we go to sunday service or we go to bible study because we don't go and spend time in our and on our own in our personal time to seek god and to get into the word and to ask him to reveal the word to us because god don't just have a word for, for us through another person. Yes, we need preachers. Yes, we need pastors and teachers. Yes, they are for the body, for the corporate body to build us up. But God desires to speak to you. God desires to reveal things to you. God desires to take you into another other dimensions and from faith to faith and glory to glory. But a lot of the times where we don't see a move of God in our personal lives and we don't experience that is because we are not building up God's house, which is us. We are not building ourselves up in our most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit, right? We don't, we're not practicing these, these practical, um, re really disciplines. We're not disciplining ourselves, amen? And see, you have people who are very disciplined and they work out, they eat right, they, they count their calories, you know, they, they, they make sure, you know, they know everything that was in all the ingredients of what they're putting in their body. Um, they, they're just very adamant and wanting to live a healthy lifestyle. And that's in a natural. And people who are not even Christians do that, right? But we're supposed to have that same level of discipline in the in as believers, right? Our spiritual, our spiritual health. In order for it to be built up and in order for it to be strong, we supposed we should have a a discipline regimen like there. And I'm speaking to me because I've been convicted here lately. Let's start there. Let's start there. Like I haven't been doing it. 
like I should. I had fallen off. That there was a season of my life where I was eating this word, right? The the Bible tells us in Deuteronomy 8 that men don't live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. And so as you were constantly, sometimes you can be in that word for hours and you don't even realize you ain't ate all day or you don't even realize, you know, you ain't got nothing to drink. You don't even realize, you know, how much time has passed because you are you are feasting on the word of God and it is sustaining you. Amen. And so I had a season and where I, that's that was my lifestyle i would spend hours upon hours in the word i would always be in prayer i used to live a fasting lifestyle i could fast like it was nothing 40 days i could fast 21 days i could do all that i could do a dry fast you know i could do a six to six without anything you know all of that right but then somewhere i i, I fell off and and it wasn't a you know a overnight Thing. It was just like little by little. I just didn't pray as much. I just, you know, I just didn't read the Bible, you know, as much. You know, I just didn't, you know, I didn't prioritize it, right? And so I found that it went from me being just very disciplined and understanding that this this was my this was this is this is like my my this is my life like just in the same way I need I need oxygen to breathe I needed that time in the presence of God I needed that prayer time I needed that time in the word to to live right to get through because see I was in a very low place because a lot of times when we're in a low place we don't have anything else but the word we don't have nothing else but the Lord and so we tend to lean more into him when we are in that low place and then when we get out that low place and when the tables turn and and when god you know blesses us or restores or bring us out now we don't find ourselves needing god as much so then we start taking that that time for granted you know and i will say this um yeah i was in one of the most darkest times of my life but i was probably the most spiritually strong if i'm honest I was probably the most spiritually strong because I was in the word so much because I was always in the presence of God because I was seeking him, you know, with everything I had in me, because I knew that if I did not keep my lifeline, if I did not stay connected to the source that I knew I was just going to die. You know what I mean? Because I was in such a dark place. And so I had I had no other choice. That was the only thing that brought me through and sustained me. And so I, I and then I got so much revelation. I seen God in ways and, and seen his character and his nature and learned so much about him. I got so much revelation out of the word of God. Like it was just like it was just unreal, to be honest. And that is why I can quote scripture the way I can quote scripture even now without having to look at the Bible. That is why I can have an understanding of certain, you know, certain scriptures or, you know, certain words or understand the context or that's why I can get a revelation um, from something from the word. And it's not because I'm still that disciplined. It's because it was built in me in a, in a season where I cultivated it. Right. But we have to understand, you don't, you can't just take a season and hit the gym super hard and just have a super healthy, clean lifestyle and eat clean and, and, and make sure you're doing all the right things. And that only lasts for a season. And then you go back to your old ways because all the muscle that you built up, right? You know, all of the strength that you built up is going to over time revert and it's going, your muscles going to get weak again, right? You're going, you're not going to have that, that endurance and that longevity like you used to, you know, your body is going to start responding to the fact that you're not eating as healthy because it's a lifestyle. And so in our, in our, in our Christianity, in our journey, in our walk, we should have a disciplined lifestyle. 
You should pray, be praying every day. You should pray in the Holy Spirit every day. You should be reading your Bible every day. You should be, you know, spending time in God's presence every day. Now, it's not no set standard of how long that has to be. It's different for everybody. All our, all of our lifestyles are different. You know, all of, you know, what we are dealing with is different. But there should not be a day that you are not seeking God in his presence and in the word because that is that is your new nutrition. That is your spiritual food. That is your like you're not gonna go a whole day, two days, three days just without eating. And you got food right there though. You're not you're not eating because the food isn't available or you're not eating because you don't have food. You're not eating just because you're you're distracted or just because you 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 don't you know, you're just not thinking about eating or you don't think it's that important. The food is right there, you're just not eating it. That's it that's how it is when you don't read your Bible. That's how it is when you don't pray. That's how it is when you don't fast. That's how it is when you don't spend time in God's presence. It's like the food is there. The nutrients is there. The nutrition for you is there, but you're just not eating it. And then you wonder why you're not strong spiritually. You wonder why you look at other people and you think to yourself like, wow, they're so, you know, they're so deep or, you know, they so revelatory or they're so prophetic or, you know, they have, they truly understand the scripture or wow, they can pray. They can pray the house down. Wow. You know, oh my goodness. You know, you look at these things, but you don't understand that's, that's, that's a result of their discipline. That's a result of them being adamant to prioritize, making sure they eat spiritually. And see, that's what we have to do. And so when we're building God's house, the first house we have to build is us. Because of course, if, if we're not building our house, our physical body, then we can't go out and build God's house in the natural in whatever assignment he's given us. Because we're not going to have the wherewithal. We're not going to have the endurance. We're not even going to have the understanding, the strategy. We're not going to have, you know, the, the concept, the idea. You know, we're not going to be able to persevere through the opposition. We're not going to have what we need to fulfill the assignment because we so weak in our in our spirit, right? Our spirit man is weak because the Bible tells us when you sow to the spirit, you reap life and so you have to feed your spirit in the same way you feed your body you know like our body need food like right now my stomach growling because i ain't really ain't ate and so sometimes our spirit begins to give us signs that hey i'm nourished hey i'm starving hey 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 i need you to i'm thirsty that's why the bible says those that hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled how do you like how do you hunger and thirst for righteousness the bible says seek ye the kingdom first and all its righteousness and so what we're supposed to be seeking is the righteousness of god how do you do that that's picking up that bible if you don't have a bible you can understand yes i know the bible is can be confusing or that it can be difficult to read because it's not a book like a novel it's not a it's not a fiction book you know it's a it's a book of life right it's live it's breathing right and so you can't even approach it like i'm about to just read this book you have to approach it with an open mind you have to approach it ready to hear from god you have to approach it willing to get, use your bible your study tools to get understanding and all you're getting if you don't, if you have a translation that is too difficult, if you're new to, um, you know, Christ, you're new to, um, you know, a new Christian, a babe in Christ, do not go get a new King James Version Bible. You're, it's going to be difficult unless the Lord's spirit is just poured upon you and you just have a, you know, a supernatural understanding because it's a thou's and thou and saith and these and those. It's, it's because it's the language of it. This is why there are 
different translations that are made in more plain English so that you can get understanding. And as you build yourself up, then you can go to the new King James version or the King James version, right? But it's okay if you have to start with an NLT. It's okay if you got to start with an NIV. It's okay if you got to start with the Amplified. It's okay because you got to start where you are. Don't try to walk before you crawl. It's okay. It's levels to this. Amen. And so when you see people and they are at a certain level spiritually, they're at a certain level in their prayer. When they pray, they're at a certain level when they can give a word. They're in their, a certain level when they can give a sermon, a message, or they can break down the scripture. They can teach. It's because they have put in the time right? They have put it into practice and they have been disciplined to build up their spiritual house. Amen. And so if you are going to build for God, the first house you got to build is your own. God has given you everything you need to do his will. We have no excuse in 2022. We have, I don't even know. I can't even count how many translations of the Bible. Heck, you don't even have to have a, a physical Bible. You, they got free Bible apps. We got Google to where if you really want to know a scripture in the moment, you could just Google it. You, it's not even like 30 and 40 years ago, 20 years ago, I would say about 30, 40, 50 years ago, where they didn't have the, the internet in the capacity that we do and they didn't have Google. And so when you wanted to know something in the Bible, you had to physically pick up the Bible, find the book of the Bible that you were looking and, and actually read it and, and find the scripture that you needed to get your concordance. You needed to get your Bible dictionary. You needed to have a commentary. It was all of these things that you really had to do the work, right? And this is what a lot of our forefathers have done. And so when we see those that are the greats and the generals in the faith, it is because they, they, they didn't have, you know, it's so easy like we do today. It is so easy for us to take for granted, actually studying our word because we can get a Bible app and get a scripture of the day and it ding to our phone and we read the scripture of the day and now we checking off, oh, I read the word. But no, that is like, that is like constantly going to, you know, a fast food restaurant Every time you hungry and you never sit down and never eat a real meal, right? You never eat a home cooked meal. You're always just going and getting you a, you know, five, four before, you know, a $5 biggie bag. You're constantly just going to get you, you know, some dollar menu, you know, um, food instead of you going home and you taking out ingredients, fresh ingredients after you didn't went to the grocery store and you actually putting things together. You actually, you know, um, having to take time to cook and to allow things to actually get done and it because it take more work. Cooking, especially cooking from scratch, take more work. But the end result is you have this meal that is so nutritious. It tastes so good, you know, and you made it with love and people can tell like it's nothing like when somebody like you had that grandmama, like a lot of people had that grandmama or that mama or that auntie, right? Or somebody that you know of or someone in your family, they were the ones that cooked. Like you, everybody wanted to go over their house on Sunday or family dinner night or for a holiday or whatever, because you know, they throwing down in that kitchen. But the part that we take for granted, because all we do is get to come and feast and eat. But we take for granted all of the preparation and time and love that they had to put in every meal, every, every, um, you know, every, every, uh, 
every dish that they made, right? Every dish that they made had to have a certain number of seasoning, had to have certain ingredients, had to be cooked a certain way, had to be cooked on a certain temperature, had to, you know, there, it, it, it's, it's truly a science and a gift to people who really, really cook because you can't cook everything the same way. You can't cook everything on the same temperature. You can't put certain seasonings and certain things. You got, you have to know really the difference. You have to know, understand measurements. You have to understand, you know, the complexities of science and chemical change and, you know, all of these things because that's where it's required in order to cook. Because you're taking something in one form and you turn it into something else. That don't just happen overnight. So you have these mothers and these grandmothers and these aunties and these people in the family that they love cooking. So when you ate their food, you even felt the love. And so you get to eat and feast on what they prepare for you. And see, the word of God has already been prepared. We're not out here having to read, write the Bible. We're not out here having to, you know, go and go on these, you know, on these missions and journeys and, and find the, 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 the lost scrolls and Dead Sea Scrolls and try to figure out how to canonize and put together the Bible and to understand if it was truly documented properly. Is there anything missing? And, you know, have to do all these things because it's already been done for us. All you really got to do now is the same thing you do when you go to Mom, Big Mama's house. You just need to go feast. Feast on the word. Because when you go to Big Mama's house, you don't just be like, okay, just give me a spoonful and that's all I'm going to need. Right? You like, make my plate. Hey, give me that macaroni. Make sure I have some of them greens. Make sure I get that chicken, that ham, whatever it is. You like, pile up my plate because I'm ready to eat. And I want to eat until I'm satisfied. That's how you got to look at the Bible. The Bible is a feast. It is for you to be spiritually nourished. It is for you to be equipped. It is for you to be strengthened. It is there for you to eat it at any time of the day. You can eat as much as you want. And so it is here for you and it's already been prepared. All you got to do is eat. And sometimes things are an acquired taste. You know, I remember when I first started eating sushi, I would never eat the raw. I would only eat the kind like a California because it just had like the little crab meat in it. You know, or I eat like a spicy tuna or I mean, not spicy tuna, but spicy crab. Um, so because it wasn't no raw fish in it. But then over time. I began to, my, my taste started to change and, and I began to acquire a taste and I started eating the raw. I would eat a, you know, smoked salmon and even eat one just with raw tuna or something in it. And I liked it. I enjoyed it, but I didn't start off that way. So for those of you and the, who are just learning uh, or coming to Christianity or you're deciding to recommit your life or you just want to get serious, you know that like me, you being convicted because you know you ain't been reading your word. You know, you've been doing life and you've been leaving God out of the equation. You ain't been consulting him, talking to him. The only time you praying is after you tried it and it didn't work out. Now you got to go back and ask him to fix or get you out of what you got yourself in. You know, you ain't been worshiping. You know, you ain't been fasting and you've been trying to do it. You've been trying. And then what's interesting is how do we try to do God's will without him? <laughs> That's so, and I, I know I'm, I've been guilty. I've been, I've been guilty. You, God gave you an idea. He put the vision in you. He gave you the concept, right? He gave you the strategy, but then you go and you try to implement it. You go and try to execute it without him. 
We still have to constantly ask God and seek him. Even though David had been anointed as king and David had the grace of a warrior, he still had to go and ask God many times, should I go pursue this people? Should I go do this? Should I do that? Because he understood just because I have an anointing and God placed me in this position and I'm gifted and I'm, you know, and I, and I'm skilled in, and I know that God put me here. Don't mean that I can continue to go and do what he put me in position to do without him. And the moment that David would do something without seeking God first or without wanting God first, he would get himself in trouble. Hence the situation with Uriah and Bathsheba, right? Had, had David, you know, looked upon Bathsheba, seen that, you know, she was looking fine as she was bathing herself and he a man, he got eyes. Like, of course, he looked at her and he, you know, started feeling away, probably started being, you know, turned on. In that moment, he could have went to God like, Lord, something is going on. Maybe there's still something in me. Maybe I got some lust still in me. You know, maybe, you know, there's something that I haven't dealt with, you know, that I need you to uproot in me because I done looked upon my dude, Uriah's wife, I'm paraphrasing, and I done got turned on and I find that I want her. And so, Lord, I don't want to sin against you. I don't want to sin against my brethren. Help me. And then he wouldn't have fell into temptation. Amen. But see, that's the thing. We try to do things without acknowledging God in all our ways. When Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says, you know, delight, you, you, you are to not lean to your own, delight yourself in the Lord and lean not to your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. That emphasis on the word acknowledge him in all your ways so when it's even the small things going to him seeking him for his um, um counsel seeking wisdom asking god should i pursue this god should i go here god should i take this um deal god should i enter into this relationship god should i move to this place god should i you know make this decision god you know if we get in the habit and get in a discipline and truly acknowledging god in all of our ways we will avoid a lot of the pitfalls that we find ourselves in amen and i know i've got myself in a in a heap of them simply because i failed to acknowledge god and then I start acknowledging him after the fact, because now I need him to fix the situation, to get me out, to, you know, I need him to now come and intervene in something that I was never supposed to be in. If I would have acknowledged him, he probably would have said, no, Janelle, don't do that. That's no, Janelle, that's not, that's not, don't make that decision. No, Janelle, don't get into that relationship. No, Janelle, don't take that opportunity. No, Janelle, don't get into some a business relationship with that person. No, Janelle, don't, don't move to that place. No, Janelle. But instead, I decide because I felt it feel in my spirit or I know God has said to me, it was time for me to move my house. This is a prime example. Last year in September, I just, even before September, I would say in late July, early August, I felt a release to finally move from my house. Now I had been trying to move out of the house I was living in for at that time, about three years. And I knew the time was coming to an end. The season was ending. I had been living there at that time, 13 and a half years. And so it was the only house I had lived in as an adult. My children were raised in that house and um, it, it, it just had been taken, you know, the season had ran its course, right? And so for three years, though, because I started to sense that the season was coming to an end, I took it upon myself to initiate the acceleration of the process. And I started trying to move. I started trying 
I was looking for other houses. I was looking for other houses to rent. First, I started off with looking for other houses to rent. You know, look, and then it went to looking for houses to buy. It went to me getting a realtor. It went to me going on, um, you know, open houses on showings. It went to me, you know, getting seller's disclosures, creating an offer letter, packing up my house. Um, you know, all kind of things I did um, because I, I felt that I sensed that the time and the season of be, being in that house was ending. But what I did not do is I did not seek God to ask him, okay, I sense, I feel the, the release. I feel the shift taking place and the season is coming to an end. But what do I do right now? How do I continue to, to stay in this position? Or how do I move forward? Or what's my next step? Instead of me seeking God and acknowledging him in all my ways, I just went crazy, okay? I just started doing all kinds of things to the point where last year in September, I moved me and my kids across the country to Florida. Because in, um, I, like I said, in the end of July, beginning of August, I felt the release. So there, it, this, I felt the shift. Come on, listen to me. I felt the shift in 2018 where I knew the season was coming to an end. But I did not feel the release until 2021. I'll say that again. Sometimes God will begin to shift you in where you are and you know the time in whatever situation you've been in or the season in that place or the season in that position is coming to an end so i felt the shift in 2018 of the season starting to come to an end but i did not feel the release until 2021 in august and in 2021 in august i put in my 30-day notice to move and vacate the premises from the house that i had lived in for 13 and a half years but see the funny part about it is even though I felt the release, I still didn't go and seek God. Now, what's the next step, Lord? Where are you leading me now? What direction do I go in? Where are you wanting me and my children to be? I did not do that because I felt a release and I knew God had released me from living in that home. I took it upon myself to start making plans. And that's where we kind of get caught up a lot of the times that, yes, God probably is telling you to make a move. Yes, God is probably telling you, you know, to to enter into some uh, some type of business transaction or for you to, you know, to end something or to begin something or to start something. He probably is, but it is your responsibility to do the due diligence of acknowledging him in everything. And when you don't do that, you will get in a situation. So I uprooted me and my children and we moved all the way to Florida from Ohio just because I felt a release and I didn't seek God. And when we got to Florida, it was, I was so tormented and it was good moments, don't get me wrong. But overall, I was so depressed. I was so tormented. It was the most uncomfortable three months that I ever had been in. I had tried to almost bought a house in Texas. That ended up falling through because I ended up realizing I was getting myself into a situation that wasn't good. It was a money pit. And so I really was starting to get myself into different situations because I was not truly seeking God. I took what I felt him doing and, and what I heard him saying and I ran with it. And I did not take the time to seek him. And when I did seek him, I didn't take the time to listen for him to answer. 
Because sometimes we do see God, but then we don't have the patience or we don't make the time to be still enough for him to respond. Because sometimes he don't respond right away. And because it's something you want to do in your heart, I wanted to move out that house. And to be honest, I wanted to move out of the out of the state. Like I really just didn't want to live in Ohio anymore. So it was in my own heart. It was my own, the lust of my own heart that that was what I wanted to do. So because that's what I wanted to do, even though I did seek God, I didn't wait on God to give me a response because I was really not wanting to hear if he would have said no for me not to move. And if we're honest, sometimes we don't either. We don't seek God at all or we seek him and we don't wait on his response because we are afraid that he's going to tell us no. And so when you are building God's house, which is your, you, your God's house, his spirit is dwelling in you. You have to allow God to take ownership. Amen. Would you own your house and let somebody else come in and be the owner and tell you what to do in your house? No, because you are the one who have ownership. You have the authority. And see, when we truly submit ourselves under the mighty hand of God, he should have full authority over our house being us. And if he doesn't, then that's where we got to start. We have to begin to put ourselves back in that position of submission. That's why I find it interesting that the Bible says, wives, submit unto your husbands as unto the Lord. And I remember when I would just, the Lord had me meditating on that. And I kept thinking to myself, why does it say submit to your husband as unto the Lord? And I remember when the Lord began to unpack that for me, because if you're not submitted unto God, who is like it tells us in Isaiah, my husband is my maker and the Lord of hosts is his name, meaning he's your provider. He's your source. He's your protector, right? He's the one, you know, he loves you. He's the one you are in covenant with, right? He should be that, like that husband that, that he should have that authority over you like a husband. If you cannot submit unto the mission of God for your life, the odds of you and the likelihood of you submitting unto another human being is slim to none. And so it's so important for us to make sure our house, us, our life is being built up, that we're building ourselves up in God, that we have a life, a disciplined lifestyle, that we are acknowledging God in all our ways, that we are praying every day. I know a lot of times when I tell, have my, my sons to pray, they'll be like, well, I don't know what to pray about. It's, it's always something to pray about because prayer should not be self-absorbed. All your prayers should not be just about you and your circumstances. There are things happening in the world. There are people suffering. There are people being persecuted. We see all kind of wickedness and evil taking place in the world every day all day you know there's so much going on to be praying about so you always got something to pray about right you always got someone to pray for you don't even have to know people personally if you sometimes i come across an article and somebody you know something happened at a school or something happened in somebody's family i pray for them i don't know these people but i pray because they're in a situation that they need prayer so we should we should constantly have always be able to go and communicate to God about something on someone's behalf and our own. I know I got family members that need to be saved. I got family members that need the Lord. I got family members that need to be delivered on top of me and my children and my personal circumstances. There's always something I should be able to pray about. 
and then reading the word, having a disciplined lifestyle to where you read the word every day and you are getting in his presence every day. You're seeking him every day for everything, the big things and the small things. Because if you know God, you know he's in the details. He's in the details. God wants to be a part of your life. He wants to direct you. He wants to order your steps. He wants to make sure that you don't enter into certain things. You don't fall into certain circumstances or into certain temptations. That's why Jesus said, you know, that he prayed for the, the disciples that they don't enter into temptation. Because the enemy is going to try to tempt us, you know, along our journey. And a lot of times we fall into the temptation because we have not been building God's house, which is us. We have not been strong in the word. We're not strong. We don't know what the words say or we don't even know how to use our spiritual weapons. We may not even understand that we have spiritual weapons. We may not know that the scripture tells us that our weapons are not carnal, but spiritual and mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Well, why would you need a weapon? Because you're going to be in, you're in a fight, right? We're fighting a good fight of faith. We are in a war and, and we have an adversary and our adversary is not people. Our adversary is the devil and his demons and, and imps and who are influencing people, right? But when you don't read the words, you don't know that. You don't understand that your weapons are powerful enough to pull down strongholds. So when there's a stronghold over your family, when there's a stronghold over your life, if there's a stronghold over your region, over your nation, it doesn't matter. You're your spiritual weapons are mighty in God and can pull that down. But if you don't know that because you're not in the word, then that's why you continue to stay in a cycle of defeat because you're not building up your house, your spiritual house in the Lord. You got to know how to go into the spirit. Sometimes you don't know what to pray. The Bible says in Romans that Holy Spirit will advocate for you and, and with utterances and moanings and groanings that can be understood. So sometimes you are just in the presence of God on your knees, on your face and you're just making utterances and you're growing groaning or you're just you're just praying in your heavenly language you're still offering up prayer and intercession you are still touching the throne of god things are still being moved walls are still being uh, broken and coming down you don't have to know what to pray all the time but you still should have a prayer life in order to go out and build for god physically to fulfill your assignment, you first have to build your house on the firm foundation of Christ Jesus. You have to be disciplined in the same way you need physical food. You need water. There are certain things we cannot live without. We cannot live spiritually without the word of God, without having a relationship with God, without having a, a prayer life, you can't because that you will, you will be so exhausted. You will be so famished. You will be so faint. You won't even have the ability to withstand the wiles of the enemy. He, all he'll do is come with one little thing and you will be totally knocked down because you haven't been built up in your most holy faith because you don't know that you have an armor. Not only do you have weapons, you have armor. You have a helmet of salvation. You have a breastplate of righteousness, a shield of faith that quenches the fiery dart of the enemy. Um, you have a sword of the spirit, the word of God that is quick and is sharp 
able to divide the, uh, the divisions of the soul and marrow, right? And, and just, uh, the, I mean, the soul and spirit, bone and marrow. You have a belt of truth that's holding your armor together. You have shoes of the gospel of peace. If you don't know what your armor is and you don't know what they are for and what they do, it's of no consequence because you're still going to be defeated because you don't even understand that you're in a war, but you in a war and God is giving you everything you need to be victorious against your enemy, the, the, your adversary, the devil. But see, if you don't know that because you don't read your Bible and the only time you get a word is when you watch a sermon on YouTube or because you go to church on Sunday, Bible study on Tuesday, prayer meeting on Wednesday, that's all you're doing. But in your personal time, you're not taking time to really study the word for yourself and hear from God and get revelation. Then it's, you're still not building up yourself. So the moment you enter into a fight or opposition, it's not going to take much for the enemy to knock you down. Because you're not, you're not prepared because you have not been built up. And so in order to build God's house, I just keep hearing it. He's like, you got to build your house. And he's talking to me too. Cause like I said earlier in the, in the podcast, I have fell off. There was a season I was strong. I was doing this. There was a season that it was every day, all day. I was in his presence, seeking him, reading the word, worshiping, praising. I was always, you know, able to fast and just constantly just building up myself in my most holy faith, building up my spiritual muscles, right? Constantly being filled and constantly, you know, being equipped. And so even though I was in a difficult place, I was in one of the hardest places of my life i was going through hell in that moment like everything had fell apart i lost everything i was being crushed on every side i had physical pain in my body because i had been in a car accident had back surgeries they continued to do treatments nothing was working then my knees started having so much pain i could barely walk i used to be in the bed at night shivering in pain have you ever been in pain and your body hurt so bad that you shivering not because you cold because you in pain begging God begging Jesus to take it away it was I was so depressed so stressed we were sleeping on the floor we ain't have nothing the house was empty we eating on the floor I ain't had no car the little child support income I had starts it stopped it dried up so I had no income I couldn't even get my kids things like like underwear and socks and, and the bare minimum the essentials the only thing we had it's food because I was on public assistance and we had a roof over our head. A spirit, like emotionally, I was broken and, and I had was in a dark place because I had was just getting out of a very abusive and, and horrible relationship that really was sent to destroy me and it almost did. I was literally crushed to ashes. I mean, I was in the darkest, most every, I mean, people had was, you know, talking about me, you know, people was, you know, ridiculing me, laughing at me because the way me and my kids was living, they were thinking I was on drugs, thinking I had lost my mind, fell off the deep end. And then I don't have WhatsApp. I don't have WhatsApp, but, um, we can connect. I can put my email. Um, but I was just in a dark place. I was in a dark place. I was in a dark place. And the only thing that kept me afloat was the fact that I stayed in the presence of God. 
is that I stayed in the word, that I stayed in prayer, even in tears, snotting, can't see, crying, pouring out my soul, like under in, 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 in extreme agony. I stayed in the presence. I stayed in his face. I stayed in the word. I continued to press through. I continued to pray. I continued to fast. Even in the moments I was so weak that I thought I just couldn't take it no more and it was killing me. Somewhere I got a strength. I got a second wind because I stayed in the presence of God. And the Bible tells us is that the Lord will mount us up on wings as eagles. We will run and not get weary. We will walk and not faint. But you cannot experience that, that scripture in the flesh if you are not full of the word and seeking him in his presence and constantly you know making sure you're eating yes it may not when the children of israel was getting manna it may not have been what they felt they needed in that season yes for me in that season i needed i felt like i needed income in that season i felt like i needed a car in that season i felt i felt like me and my children we needed furniture but that's not what i needed what i needed was the word what i needed was to know god as a provider as a keeper as a way maker what i needed was to be able to lean on God in a way I had never leaned on him before, to trust God in ways I had never trusted him before, to see him in ways I had never saw him before. And that's what I really needed in that moment. And that's what God gave me. But I did my part and I stayed in the presence. So I was the reason why I'm able to God for God to send me out now to go and begin to build his house in the natural to fulfill my assignment is because I had built my house in him. But again, we can sometimes get caught up when we're not in that low place and we don't depend and lean on God as much. And that's where I was at. I fell off. I wasn't praying like I should. I wasn't fasting. I wasn't seeking him. You know, I was starting to get you know, like I was starting to be more and more disconnected because I, I wasn't in that in that place where I was being crushed when I had nothing and no one but him. Right. But we can't lose sight of who he is just because we enter into our season of blessing, just because we enter into our harvest. We cannot be disconnected. We can never um, feel that we don't need God as much or we don't have to seek God as much or we don't got to pray as much. Because if you know, like I know when you get the blessing, you got to pray even more because you got to know how to manage the blessing. You got to know how to, you know, keep maintain the blessing. You got to know what to do with the blessing. Amen. And so you can't just assume that because you're not in poverty, because you're not sick in your body no more. Now you heal. Not because you're not tormented in your soul and you've been made whole. You've been, your soul has been restored because the Lord has redeemed you. He's brought you out of that addiction. He's brought you out, you know, that, 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 um, that that abusive relationship or situation oh because he's promoted you and elevated you oh because he's poured out financial blessings on you oh whatever it is you can't think that now i don't need god as much oh it's okay i can go a day without prayer because a day gonna go turn to two days next thing you know you didn't win a whole two weeks without prayer you know you can't think like oh, I, i'm tired you know i the lord on my heart you know he know because i'm out here doing all of this for him trust me god would rather you seek him first and keep him first than to be so consumed with building what he calls you to build that you don't spend no time with him that's not what he desires. He desires you. He wants all of you, not a piece, not a portion. He wants all of you. In the same way, when you're in a relationship, your significant other, your spouse, you want all of them. You don't want them to just give you a part, part of them, a piece of them, give them a little bit, of, give you a little bit of time, give you a little bit of love, you know, give you a little bit of attention. No, you want the, all of it, right? Because you love them and you want to, to see that they love you. 
God is the same way. You can't think that just because you're out even doing what God called you to do, that that is a pass, right? For you to slack off on your, your due diligence and your responsibility to continue to seek you the kingdom first. To continue to acknowledge God in all your ways. So a lot of the times we think we're building for God or with God or building God's house and we're not because we're doing it without him. Or we're trying to do it in our own way and not in, and not in his. And so in order for us to be, be building God's house to do what he called us to do in the natural, whatever he called you to do, whatever he's um, placed in your heart, whatever the thing that you know that you hear calling and beckoning you, whatever vision that you have, you know, whatever that dream is that he placed in you, he wants you to do that. But he, he you can't do it apart from him. Amen. And yes, even when you start building for God, be of a sober mind to know the opposition is going to come. Things are going to come to try to to try to stop you. But you got to have a, a Nehemiah spirit. And when Sam Ballard and Tobiah was come trying to get him to come off of the work, he was like, no, I'm not coming down. I'm not coming off of the wall. I'm not coming down. I'm not stopping doing what God told me to do to entertain you. Right? I'm not, whatever you do, my Lord is going to deliver me. He's going to see me through because he caught me to this. Right, because he had a he he understood he he and he still maintained his connection and understood who his source was. He knew it wasn't him. Yes, it was his hands, but it was the Lord's spirit. You cannot build for God without Him. And so we gotta know. Yes, you might have something come up, and it may be something so difficult that it it, it stops you in the moment. But you can't be stagnant and complacent. You because then now you're in disobedience. If God calls you to build something, he expects you to complete it. He's going to help you complete it. And that's not going to be without opposition. But the weapon, just because it forms, don't mean it's going to prosper against you. Meaning it's not going to overtake you. Meaning it's not going to stop you. And not if you don't let it. But yes, you might experience some hurt. Yes, you might experience some frustration. Yes, you might have to, you know, people might have to leave you. Or yes, you might have to be persecuted and talked about. Then you might need to go and, and read the um, in Genesis about Noah. You might need to, you know, read in Genesis about Joseph. You might need to go read, you know, um, in in um, Second um, Samuel and 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 um and about David and all that. They were ridiculed. They were they were persecuted. They were talked about. They was rejected. You know, David was rejected by his own family he still was anointed king he still was called to 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 build for the for the for the lord joseph was rejected by his own brothers because of the favor on his life because of the because god gave him a dream and a vision noah noah was persecuted laughed at mock ridicule come on you gotta know that's he went through that for 120 years because that's how long it took him to build an ark and he going around telling people to stop and turn from their sins and repent because there was going to be rain from the sky and then that day they never ever had seen rain from the sky and he was building a boat and they never seen nobody build that a boat like that you know because nothing had ever happened in their in their in their time that that even was remotely close to what he was saying so you know people thought he was crazy and fell off the deep end and lost his mind but he stayed the course he didn't stop building the ark because had he stopped building the ark when the rain came because it was because it was going to come he would have died like everybody else in the flood but because he was able to rise above the persecution rise above the mockery rise above the gossip rise above the slander rise above those who were maybe even 
physically trying to impede on him from building the ark, whatever it was, he, he was able in God to overcome it and he completed the assignment. He built the ark and not only did he was he saved, but his entire household, his entire bloodline was saved because he continued to build God's house through the persecution, right? Yes, I know they lied on you. Yes, I know they betrayed you. Yes, I know they stole from you. Yes, I know they stabbed you in the back. Yes, yes, I know it be church folk. Yes, I understand it. Yes, I know it's your own family. I get it. But you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Nowhere in the Bible did it tell us that the weapon won't form through, a, through someone close to us. Nowhere in the Bible did it say that the enemy was exempt from using certain people. He's going to use whoever is available. Anybody got place, anybody got an open door, he coming in. And if it's someone close to you, he prefers that because that can cause, that's, he really wants to destroy. So he knows the most damage is going to be caused by somebody that you love or somebody that you think love you. So don't stop building. If you are having a lifestyle where you're constantly, you know, seeking God and you you have a disciplined lifestyle, you're reading the word, you're praying all the time, you're doing everything you know you're supposed to do. And you're in a place where you're doing what God called you to do and you're experiencing opposition. I tell you today, don't stop building. Don't stop building. Trust your, in your God. Trust to know if God brought you to it, he's bringing you through it. Trust that he's the author and finisher of your faith. Trust the good work he completed in you that you, that he, excuse me, that he began in you, that he shall complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Trust that, like he said to Zerubbabel, the hands that laid the foundation will complete the work. Trust that if God called you to it, you will complete it if you do not stop building. Do not stop building God's house and don't stop building your spiritual house. Don't slack up. Don't think, oh, it's not working because you've been praying, praying, praying and you ain't seen nothing change yet. Or don't think because your circumstance ain't changed yet. Don't get deceived. It's not always by sight. That's why we walk by faith and not by sight. It's things be happening in the spirit realm. Things be taking place in the spirit realm. Things be breaking off and falling off in the spirit realm. Strongholds be coming down in the spirit realm. You know, things be take happening. We don't always see it in the natural until it catches up. So don't stop. And don't be spiritually malnourished because you're not eating on the feast of the word. And if you don't have a thirst or maybe it's difficult for you or every time you go to read the Bible, it's like you get tired, you're sleepy or you're disinterested. Ask God to, you know, help you. Ask God to ignite a love, a passion, a thirst, a hunger for the word to give you understanding when you read. Like you can seek and ask God for these things. Amen. Because it's not always easy. I've been in those seasons where reading the Bible was boring. It can be until you develop an acquired taste for it. And then you get to the point where you got to have it. And so I pray that it's blessed you. I pray that you got something out of it. Again, this is really not necessarily the direction I thought about or I had in mind to go in. But, you know, I believe what God wants to do is always best. And I'm always willing to be flexible and pivot and to allow him to speak and use me in the way that he wants to. Because, again, he knows the plans. Right? He knows the end from the beginning, not me. I'm human. I'm limited in my understanding and my thought. 
right? I'm limited in my abilities, but he is he is not. And so I just, again, I hope that um, you have received something from this. If you have, God bless you. Um, I am so excited for what God is doing in us and through us. I'm so excited for to be building with God and for God. And I'm so excited for him to be building with and for you um, through you. And so we can come together as the body and we can establish the kingdom of heaven here on earth and we can reach lives and we can show the love of Jesus Christ. We can be the hands and feet of Jesus in the earth by whatever God is uh, calling us to build, that we can manifest his glory through whatever he's calling us to build. And don't ever think what you're building is insignificant just because you think it's not as important or it's not as um in the forefront or, you know, it's not as, um you know, as as known or you know it's, it doesn't seem like you know you get you're, you're not getting as much as recognition or maybe you're behind the scenes building and, and nobody know what you're doing for God don't worry about that know that God knows and he what you do in secret he rewards in public don't compare your assignment to someone else's don't compare what you're building to someone else's so what you your the house that you're building for God may you know be like a one floor small you know house and somebody else is building a mansion that doesn't matter all that matters is that you're building what God told you to build because he's going to bless it he's going to he's going to be pleased with it he's the one that you you want to look and say well done thy good and faithful servant not people so don't get caught up in that. Whatever he told you to do, keep doing it. If he told you to, to, to love on kids, keep loving on them. If he told you, you know, if you got a, a, a grace to help, keep helping. If you got a heart to give, keep giving. If, if you got a heart to encourage, keep encouraging, right? Whatever it is, don't stop. And just because you don't get the result you think you want, just because people don't respond the way you think they should, just because whatever, you know, self-gratification or whatever, you know, the result is you thought you would get, just because that didn't happen, that don't mean stop. Keep doing it. God sees. And he's the one who's going to reward. Or he's, gonna want who, he's the one who's going to pour out judgment because of your disobedience. And so I love you with the love of the Lord. I pray that the Lord bless you and keep you, that the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be um, gracious to you and grant you his peace. And I want you to know that your past does not define you. It develops you and you are worthy.